You're listening to a completely new season of Limbic Light Podcast with Manisha Blunchley and co-host David Niven-Miller. In this season, we'll be discussing slightly controversial, extremely useful topics designed to help and empower you with knowledge about simple products and methods to make you healthier in completely natural, safe, effective and affordable ways. I've titled this season Unspoken Truths as the information you'll receive is information which is so often hard to find and sometimes blatantly hidden from us. So, welcome. And hello everyone, we are back with David Miller once again and we have another very interesting topic which I'm sure you'll all find very useful and helpful. It's on the topic of iodine and it's one of those almost miracle minerals that are so useful for so many purposes. So we wanted to talk to David and get some really good information from him about how and what and why we should use iodine. So welcome again, David. Thank you, Manisha. It's good to be here. Lovely. So I thought we would launch in straight away iodine. Most people are fairly familiar with iodine. But first of all, maybe you could talk a little bit about signs or how we can work out if we're actually deficient in iodine, whether we might need it. Yeah, most people probably are deficient in iodine nowadays, particularly in certain parts of the world. Iodine is deficient in most soil, and there are, there are large parts of the world in Australia, India, several African and several European countries where there are geographical areas where the soil is, is severely iodine deficient. These areas are usually located a long distance from the sea because the sea is generally the biggest depository of iodine. But deficiency can also be caused by soil erosion or desertification um, or the overuse, the overfarming of soil. Mm. Something I wanted to bring up was that I did study chemistry in my earlier days and iodine is a halogen which is very similar to fluoride. From what I had heard, and you can correct me, please, David, if I'm incorrect, that we have receptor sites that are very similar to these bromines, chlorines and fluorines and iodines. And if we have an excess amount of, for example, the fluorine or the chlorine, they will basically block our receptor sites for the iodine and make it very difficult for us to absorb iodine. Is that correct, what I've heard? Yes. Yes, that is correct. In our modern lives, we, we tend to have an accumulation of bromine in our bodies. So bromine nowadays is used as a food additive sometimes. It's absolutely terrible that it is. So it's, it's put into some foods, for example, white flour. And bromine is also used as a fire retardant. So it finds its way into furniture and clothing. So many, many people have a, a buildup of bromides in their bodies. And bromine is, is horrible. It's highly toxic, causes a variety of problems, and it prevents the uptake of iodine. 
We also have widespread use of other goitrogens. So fluorine is added to our own water, our own drinking water, and people have a buildup of fluoride in the body. And chlorine is used as a disinfectant in our water supply and all over the place. We, chlorine is in cleaning products and so on. So, so modern people have an excess of the uh, of chlorine, bromine, and fluorine in their bodies, and an insufficiency of iodine. And in fact, if you start supplementing with iodine or getting a good sufficiency of iodine, it tends to push out the other halogens in your body. So I've heard many, many reported cases where people are getting back normal levels of iodine in their body and they, their sweat starts to stink or the, if they're breastfeeding at the time, the, the breast milk has a yellowish, yellowish tinge in it, which is not at all healthy, uh, for the baby, that is. So having sufficient iodine is, is very important, a preventative against the other halogens. Iodine is not toxic in the quantities that you need it in your body. It's not toxic at all. It's very necessary for good health, but the other halogens are toxic. Mm. So before we launch into uh, finding out all about iodine, what it's useful for, why we might need it in our body, I wanted to ask you about the very simple test that we can do, anyone can do, to see whether we have enough iodine in our body, in our system. Could you explain that little test? There's a, it's a rough and ready, not accurate skin test. So uh, get some some liquid iodine. I always recommend Lugol's iodine. That's available uh, from uh, most chemists, isn't it? You Lugol's? can get Lugol's at, at most chemists, yes. Um, in the supermarkets, they sell something called povidone iodine, which is, it's okay to do a skin test using povidone iodine, but povidone iodine uh, is is one of those unfortunate products that's uh, come about at the behest of the pharmaceutical companies and their lobbying. So povidone iodine is is just normal iodine, but it's got a toxic additive so that you can't take it internally. It's quite disgusting. It 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 should never have been invented, but it's the pharmaceutical company's answer to iodine being used as a supplement. They want to prevent it being used as a supplement. So povidine, povidone iodine, you can use on your skin and you can use it for wound treatment and so on. And it's, it's quite good and effective there. But uh, if you want a purer form of more assimilable, better, less toxic, in every respect, a, a much better form of iodine is Lugol's iodine. Excellent. So that little skin test. We oh, sorry, applied... you're going back to the skin test. Get yes. some Lugol's or povidone iodine and paint a square, oh, like a, you know, maybe five centimeters by five centimeters. Paint a square on your skin somewhere that's out of the way where your skin is, is maybe, you know, like on, on the side of your body somewhere or the inside of your leg or the inside of your arm. Paint a square. It should be quite a dark brown color when you finish painting it. If it disappears completely within five hours, you are severely iodine deficient. 
if it disappears in 12 hours, you, you're still iodine deficient, not quite as severe. But if the square is, is still there a day later, you've got good iodine sufficiency. Mm, that's a great little test that people can do. I know that there's urine tests and probably hair analysis tests and other tests, but that's a very simple layperson's test that I think is great just to do a, a really quick check on our iodine yes. levels. Yes. So please tell us a little bit why iodine is so important. What are the, some of the things that it actually does? If you've got good sufficiency of iodine, you feel well and you feel happy, and you're far less likely to have any kind of mental or psychological problem. So if you have any kind of mental or psychological problem, the very first go-to thing to do is to check your iodine and get your iodine back up to good sufficiency. So the benefits of iodine sufficiency are feeling of well-being, mental clarity, clear thinking, lifting of any brain fog. You can get more done in less time. You've got increased energy, mental energy, and energy throughout your body as well. Mm. Um, there's a good there's list. A list of things. Uh, when you have, have iodine sufficiency, I'll get back to that then. There's a list of other benefits. Excellent. Just coming to iodine, there's always been a strong association with the thyroid. And I know that so many people have thyroid problems, imbalances these days for numerous reasons. But from what I understand, iodine is required as a molecule to make up uh, the thyroxine and the, some of the thyroid hormones that we require. And I also know that if the thyroid is out, we are very prone to having mental health conditions, depression especially. So I wonder if the iodine, one of the reasons why iodine might be so good for the mental health, maybe its association and its help on the thyroid. What do you think about that? I think iodine directly affects, affects the brain as well. I'm not sure about the thyroid connection and then through to mental health, but there's no question in my mind that iodine is necessary for good brain function. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay, keep going on and telling us a little bit more about yeah, so, the iodine. Um, Thanks. With, with iodine sufficiency, you feel warmer. In, especially in cold environments, it, it helps you maintain good, a feeling of warmth, good body temperature. You're, so that would you're indicate more resilient to cold. So that, that would indicate um, it helps the metabolism, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. Iodine is, is a very important part of your body metabolism, your, your immune function. Uh, yeah. It plays all sorts of roles. With iodine sufficiency, you need less sleep. You have the disappearance of some muscular aches and pains. Uh, you have a much stronger immune system. Iodine is used by the immune system. You have a better resistance to all kinds of microbial infections, including bacteria and a variety of viruses and protozo protozoa. With good iodine levels, you, your skin looks better. You have a good skin complexion and skin complaints start to disappear. And with iodine sufficiency, your whole digestive system improves. Uh, mm. you, you, you're able to digest better. You have regular and better bowel movements. 
Yeah, it plays all sorts of roles mm. in all sorts of pathways all around the body. Mm, that's fantastic. I have one little incident where a male that I know who had a severe infection in the skin and the leg and the blood and it had gone really quite deep and all sorts of things were tried both naturally and conventionally and it wasn't until they applied iodine that it started to clear up. So I thought that was rather curious and and to this day that every now and then that condition reappears and iodine is the only thing that will fix out that infection. So that's one little anecdotal story that I know personally from someone mm. I know quite well. It is it's it's a, a it's so convenient you can carry iodine in a small bottle. It's, it should be in every medical bag and in fact in the middle of last century, uh, up until the middle of last century, a bottle of iodine was in every doctor's bag. Hmm. And uh, here's another little anecdote, tick bites. Um, hmm. Ticks are, are quite dangerous. Uh, Lyme disease is an e epidemic in parts of America now. If you get bitten by a tick, there's a correct way of pulling the tick off. You take the tick off using a piece of cotton and pull pull it the head out completely and then you immediately dab a drop of iodine onto the tick bite it neutralizes any dangerous bacteria from the tick bite it's an incredible disinfectant and mm. i've had experience of friends who've been bitten by a tick I, i've been there i've had a bottle of iodine i've shown them what to do we've removed the tick i put a drop of iodine on it and there's been no infection whatsoever mm, that's fantastic i can i'm just going through my head all the amazing things or conditions that it can be used for i mean radiation sickness is one th another thing that it can neutralize some of the radiation effects yeah. um, i have also a, another client who has a breast lump and she in chinese medicine they often use kelp as a formula to soften hard nodules and growths, particularly in, in the breast. And of course, kelp is full of iodine. But one of the treatments that is quite well known for breast lumps is to apply the iodine to the breast tissue. And she's doing it with a little bit of DMSO, which helps the whatever you apply with the DMSO to penetrate mm. much deeper. And, and apparently there's been great successes in dissolving lumps, tissue growths, using iodine so um that's another method or thing that you can use it for so, so tell us a few more things because it really is so extensive it, it is uh, iodine is excellent for cysts so if you have any cysts on your skin a cyst is like a little sac that grows beneath the skin and it's usually filled with a, a liquid although it it can vary, cysts vary. But if you have any uh, dubious lumps under your skin, and you can apply iodine to a cyst and it dries it up and then the cyst falls out. And mm. it's it's very effective. Uh, it, in, depending on the size of the cyst and how established it is, it, it, can, it can take from days to months to dry it up and fall out. But iodine is the best treatment for all kinds of cysts. Not only cysts on the skin, but for example, polycystic ovary syn syndrome. The go-to treatment there is iodine. Hmm, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. That's actually quite a difficult condition to treat. Um, it is. Yes, 
That's incredible. And yeah, so, um, mm, mm, that's wonderful. So it has multi-purposes and unfortunately many people are deficient in iodine and a part mm. of that reason might be because we're exposed to so much fluorine in the water and chloride and and other goitrogens. Mm. Maybe mm. speak to us a little bit about the goitrogens, the um, foods that might inhibit the uptake or the absorption of iodine. Well, iodine, it's quite difficult to, to get in food. By far the richest source, food source of iodine is kelp. So it's not seaweed in general. Many seaweeds have no iodine at all. But for some reason, kelp is, it just holds onto the iodine in the ocean and it builds it up. So kelp almost alone is an amazing source of iodine. Mm. Um, iodine is in other parts of animals. It's, it accumulates in the thyroid. So if you're one of the people who eats animals and believes in using all parts of the animals, eating thyroid is a, a possible source of iodine. Iodine in fish, iodine accumulates in the head and around the eyes. So Indian people in particular were really onto something when they talk about fish head soup. And some of the nicest curries I've had in the world were in India, in parts of Goa, where they're famous for their fish head soup curry. And oh, it was just brilliant. Yeah, it's funny how as Westerners, we some of our instincts are completely wrong with regard to food. So many Asians regard fish head curry or fish head soup as a, as a valuable food. I have images in my mind, fond memories of having a curry with, with a fish head curry with Chinese people and the eyes being the delicacy. Oh. Um, and then other parts of the, the head, uh, where the iodine is unknowingly also being highly valued. Mm. So just, yeah, um, animal, some animal parts do have iodine. But generally, it's it's quite difficult to supplement unless you are regularly using kelp. Can I just come back to the what you were talking about, the thyroid of animals as being a possible supplier of iodine? That actually piqued up my interest because one of the methods which is used to help people with an insufficient or underactive thyroid is to use desiccated thyroid gland from cows or pigs. It's more or less outlawed here in Australia. It's not really accepted in New Zealand and also where they've got really clean cows eating clean grass. It's still available, that particular type of uh, therapy where they have desiccated in actual capsules thyroid glandular medicine. And it's used for the insufficient thyroid. And I used to help people with that treatment. And it does work very, very well. And maybe one of the mechanisms that it is using working is through its supply of iodine. I'm not sure. But anyway, I just thought that was an interesting little side. It's, it's it, likely. Do you know if, that, if it's raw, desiccated, No, it's dried. No, it's definitely dried. It, has it been heated? 
Oh, that I don't know, but it's been dehydrated. So, yes, I, I'm not sure. I don't think it would be heated, but it would be heated enough for it to be actually whether it's freeze dried. I'm not sure to tell you the truth. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard to say whether you'd have to actually have a lab laboratory to measure mm. the iodine content mm. uh, because iodine, unfortunately, iodine is quite volatile. So it's, it's lost quite easily. Mm, um, that's interesting. The other thing that I was talking about were the goitrogens, the things that actually inhibit the uptake of iodine, which I know that the brassicas sometimes do that, but I've heard that it's mostly the raw brassicas. And for those of you who don't know what brassicas are, it's basically the cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli family that they can, if taken in real huge amounts, particularly raw, can slightly block the absorption of iodine and the other one was soya products that sometimes that can also block the iodine so if people are having lots of those foods i imagine they may have some difficulty getting their iodine supply yes absolutely so unfortunately for, for several other reasons as well but um people who are on a vegetarian diet and eat a lot of soy products, vegetarian diet, soy products, and some kinds of seeds and so on, they're much more likely to be iodine deficient. So just in a little bit more detail there, grasses are some of the most potent goitrogens. Millet is a grass seed. And if you eat millet or you eat bamboo shoots, in particular, you're likely to be high in goitrogens and then low in iodine. And then there's also the brassicas, uh, sorry, uh, crucifers, which include broccoli, uh, br cabbage, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, mustard, kohlrabi, turnips, rutabaga. They all prevent iodine and, and soy foods in particular. So soy milk, tofu, tempeh, and in particular, v TVP. Mm, um, you want to stay away from TVP. Are, are all, yeah, TVP is horrible stuff. It's, mm, text, it's texturized mm. vegetable protein. It's mm. just, it's disgusting. It looks like and it's mince. highly toxic. You add water to it. It looks like mince, but it's purely vegetarian and it's made from um, and it's, a soya product. Yeah, it's, but it's, 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 it's horrible. Not good it's, stuff. It's very harmful. <laughs> stay away yeah. from it. <laughs> So basically, if you're, if you're on a, a diet that includes lots of those vegetables I've just mentioned and you're eating white soy products in particular, that's actually a harmful diet uh, mm. and, you're, and you're more than likely to be iodine deficient, but also uh, you'll have other deficiencies uh, mm. on that kind of diet. David, I just wanted to go back briefly to the whole topic about mental health psychological and mental health and iodine's use for that. Now, because I, I just see that it's so prevalent in our society now, the amount of particularly young people who are struggling, I want to know a little bit more about this iodine's effect for on the mental health. Is it used for both so-called hyperactive conditions such as anxiety and sleeplessness as well as the depression? Do you know much more. Uh, can you give us a few more details about its use for mental health? It's one of those wonderful remedies, natural remedies, where by taking it, you do no harm. So 
whether you're suffering from depression or schizophrenia or any any kind of psychological or mental problem, the, the very first thing you, you, you can do, and you won't do any harm, is to get your iodine level up to a good sufficiency. And uh, that's another important thing. Iodine sufficiency is not what the recommended daily intake or recommended daily allowance says it, it is. Iodine sufficiency is much higher than that. The RDA is based on RDA recommended means- daily allowance yes. of most health authorities is yes. way, way too low. And the RDA is based on avoiding uh, goitra, which mm-hmm. is the swollen thyroid that you, you see in people, you know, many parts of Africa where there's complete lack of iodine in the soil. The poor people you see have swollen throats almost. And the iodine recommended by most authorities is sufficient to prevent goitra, but it's not sufficient for good health at all. You've got to get much higher levels of iodine for genuinely good health and genuine, genuinely optimal iodine levels. Do you have that amount? Do you know what that amount is? I supplement with iodine fairly regularly. And I just paint it onto my skin. Um, mm-hmm. And I use kelp whenever I can as well. So, you know, once in a while I go and buy some kelp and uh, mm-hmm. I use that and cook with it and add it to whatever I'm cooking. And then I just paint iodine to, onto my skin once in a while. And do you do I'm, it? I don't measure anything and I'm not very meticulous about it okay. at all. So you're obviously going by the method of transdermal, which means you absorb the nutrient through your skin. Some people may also take it internally orally as a drink or in their water. So if the, if a person was taking, for example, Lugol's and they were taking drops in a little bit of water each day, what would be the recommendation that you would be giving on how many drops of the Lugol's would they have? Well, rather than talking about it, I think it's best to have it in writing. So I've got a webpage at growyouthful.com, a webpage dedicated to iodine, and it tells you how to supplement and the dosing and so on. But you've got to be very careful if you're taking drops of Lugol's and you're taking it in water. You should only do that for a limited period. The reason being that iodine is a potent antibiotic. So when you're supplementing with iodine in water, you are destroying parts of your gut biome. Mm, that's interesting. I don't think many people realize that. So Yeah, so you, 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 if you, it's, it, by all means, get your iodine up to sufficiency, and sometimes you'll need to do it as an emergency. But do not supplement iodine, drops of iodine in water, Long term. What it's, do you consider long term? What what um, what would be a a reasonable period for somebody to take it orally before they stop doing that? I would probably not supplement for more than a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then it's quite safe yeah. to change over to doing transdermal. In other words, on the skin applications after that. Yeah, even even with a couple of weeks of iodine in drops of water, I wouldn't be ta- supplementing with iodine that way unless 
it was quite a, a, a severe ailment that I was fixing. Okay, um, so, so you certainly never supplement iodine just to keep a maintenance dose, you know, like year after year, just to keep your iodine up, just put it in your water supply, unless it's very, very dilute. But transdermally on the skin, you can do it very safely over a long period of time. Is that what you're Transdermally, you can-, you can do it safely for a long period. And if you have it as a genuine food source, so if you're eating the parts of animals that contain iodine, or if you're using kelp, it's a lot safer. Okay. And just speak to us a little bit about kelp, because I know that there is an issue. People are concerned about the radioactivity and the pollutions in the oceans. So trying to get really good, clean sources of kelp. Do you have any recommendations? Would you look for kelp for a place like Tasmania, where you, we would expect it to have rather clean oceans? Is that a yes. consideration? Yes. In fact, you can get onto the internet and buy kelp from several different suppliers in Australia. And there's, there is a supplier in Tasmania that, that sells different kinds of kelp, uh, ground up into powder or sheets of it and so on. Unfortunately, it's very expensive. You can also go into a Chinese shop and buy kelp. I would not use kelp that is grown in China. Um, mm. just because the, oceans around china are so polluted um yes i would so agree. you can buy cheap chinese kelp but i wouldn't but kelp is is also produced by many other asian countries um kelp is available taiwan uh, taiwanese japanese in fact the, the ja- japan has a long history of using kelp and seaweeds so they're aware of what pollutants are and how to produce kelp so you're probably safe in buying Japanese kelp, for example, and it's it's widely available and and uh, reasonably priced. Mm, that's excellent. All right, and one last final thing is I wanted to ask you: Is there anyone or any condition that should avoid taking iodine? Yes, there are a couple of conditions. If you suffer from Hashimoto's disease or other autoimmune thyroid disorders, iodine may actually stimulate an attack on the thyroid. So it's situations of hyperthyroidism. So not hypothyroidism, but hyperthyroidism. Overactive. Um, Yeah, overactive Mm -hmm. thyroid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hashimoto's disease and autoimmune uh, thyroid disorders do not supplement with iodine. Mm. And th- children and pregnant women should not supplement with iodine except mm. under doctor's advice. Oh, that's good to know. Now, that's a really interesting point about the hyper, in other words, overactive thyroid. I remember in all my research that I did, I did come across that recommendation also not to give iodine to overactive thyroid patients. However, I came across some really other great information where that was challenged. And if it's used carefully, people with overactive thyroids were actually benefiting regardless. So I just wanted to put that in, that in some instances, iodine may be safe if it's taken still in reasonable transdermal amounts. 
Yeah, but, that's um, that's outside my my area mm, of experience. Mm, so yes, it's a bit I, of a I would suggest area. that anybody with hyperthyroidism who's considering supplementing with iodine should do it under the supervision of mm, of an experienced absolutely. person. Yes, I agree. Well, that's fantastic, David. Thank you so much. We've given our audience a really good taste of what iodine can actually do for us, and it's one of those other amazing miracle simple supplemental types of foods or minerals that people can use for their benefits so i really hope people run with it take it and actually uh, talking of running with it i've noticed that iodine is getting harder and harder to purchase lugol's iodine i only recommend lugol's so if you do find it buy some and keep it because i can see that so many of these really useful natural supplements are being outlawed or discredited or just quietly removed from the shelves it's a very perverse situation in which we live nowadays mm, it's sorry to see that uh, happening and also i wanted to encourage people to visit David's website. It's growyouthful.com and get onto the remedies section and look up iodine. As he mentioned, there's recommended dosages on there. There's more in-depth information that you can read in your own time. And please share this information with others you think might be, uh, who might benefit from it, including David's website. There's so much information on there. So once again, thank you so much, David, for a, a, a wonderfully informative discussion. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Manisha. I've enjoyed talking to you. Thanks. Lovely. Bye for now. Till next time.